Hello and welcome back to Casting Nuts Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley, here, pastor at St. John in Maribel. I am here with my cohort in crime who has been joining us on these wonderful conversations and adventures. What, what crimes are we doing? The crime of us sharing our information, the crime <laughs> that, that people cannot listen at our feet for, for longer than, than an hour podcast. Inflicting pain on our hearers, yes. ears. Yes, uh, and, and the voice that you just heard is uh, Pastor Dave Rudot, uh, pastor at uh, Shirley and Emmanuel and a pastor out in Greenleaf as well. And so as we gather here today, um, we are happy to bring you uh, the end of First Timothy uh, as we, we deal with chapter 6, um, if you've been walking with us through First Timothy, this is the pastoral epistles, and so we are, we're having fun sort of walking our way through that. We're happy to be done with uh, the first part of, of First Timothy. We have some other pastoral epistles that we'll be tackling here in the shows coming up. Uh, but until then, why don't you give us just a, a brief disclaimer so people don't like uh, accuse us of something and... Right, of a, of a crime that we did not commit. Exactly. Um, I This is a show about real life, living faith, and we are sharing with you God's word, but we are also sometimes interspersed in there as our own opinions and not necessarily the opinions of our churches, our church bodies, or even ourselves. We're just kind of enjoying one another's company and talking about God's word, which really brings both of us joy uh, to talk about God's word with you and to talk about God's word with each other that we would uh, encourage each other and strengthen each other in uh, the calling that God has called us to be. So if, as you are listening to this, you hear something that you would say, I think you've just committed some sort of uh, biblical crime there, Pastor Rudat or Pastor Harley, please reach out to us and uh, talk to us. Most of our listeners uh, reach out to us face-to-face and talk to us, but you are free to talk, contact us. We've got a myriad of ways of you to contact us, and the one of those ways is an email. So you can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. You can go on. We are on Facebook, at least for now, I guess. Facebook, uh, you can go for Facebook and uh, message us that way. Uh, you can uh, talk to us face-to-face, like I mentioned before, before or after church or during the week. Uh, you can go to our website, St. John Maribel or uh, ShirleyGreenleaf.com and, and uh, contact us that way. So there's lots of ways for you to contact us. And so we invite that. We actually encourage that uh, um, discussion. That's why we're doing the podcast, so that we would be able to have a conversation with you with God's, about God's Word. And you are also free, uh, dear dear listener, to listen to something else uh, that we're putting up together. You just say, uh, this is just going in a line of thought. I don't want it to go. So the, go ahead and listen to something else. Uh, just come li- back the next week. Just come back the next week or... Um, <laughs> <laughs> try to finish the show. <laughs> try to finish the show. Make it your goal, dear Sit listener. Sit down with a drink or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> try to get... <laughs> make it your Things goal. Things always go better with a drink or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To persevere through the show and to realize maybe the, the things in life aren't worth getting um, all upset over.
That was probably the longest disclaimer we've ever done. It was a more of a ramble, <laughs> rambling it's, on and on, and it's it's appropriate. You lost like half the half the listening. Like, yeah, I mean. right. They're already like, okay, you're giving us permission to to move on. Click. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I say that because we are really talking about a controversial issue in First Timothy chapter. 6, no, you're right? talking about a controversial <laughs> issue. I did not volunteer oh, for this controversial issue. He sent out an email, dear listeners, that said, hey, let's talk about this. Yes, I am I am a guy who likes to plan things ahead, and Pastor, Pastor Will Harley is someone who does plan, he does research, but he doesn't uh, come to our podcast with a bunch of things he wants to talk about. He just has them all in his head, and they just come out as they come out as he talks. But First uh, Timothy chapter 6 begins with talking about slaves, and I think we should really just read it, uh, just because I just say slaves and people are triggered one way or the other. It says here, this is the evangelical heritage version of it, all who are under a yoke of slavery should consider their own masters worthy of all respect, so that God's name and his teaching may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters should not be disrespectful toward them because they are brothers. Instead, they should serve them even better, because those who benefit from their good service are believers and dear to them. And right out of this, out of the gate, we're hearing some the dog not barking. Now, what is the phrase in here that isn't mentioned that you would think should be mentioned? Um, well, what I would have first originally had, when it, you know, <clears throat> I think when I listened to it with, with 20th century years, 21st century years, the thing that you'd want to hear is Paul saying, okay, um, if you are a Christian slave owner, release your slaves um, because they are fellow Christians and, and you just don't do that kind of thing. Um, but we don't see that. We, we actually see, um, which maybe hurts our sensibilities a little bit, we see Paul, uh, again, kind of reinforcing the vocation, um, which is a really big concept, which maybe one day we should do a whole podcast on just vocation. But anyway, it's, uh, um, he's reinforcing the, the idea of the vocation and saying, just because you're in a position in life doesn't mean that you're excluded from those actions or that you should rebel against your, your, your station in life. Um, well, I think one of the, the things that, that is interesting is that he's referencing to Christians. Yes. <clears throat> and so he's talking, about, he's talking about slaves who are Christians and how you should act, um, realizing that other slaves who are not Christians are not going to act that way, um, which is the point. The, the point is that other slaves who aren't Christian are going to be the ones who want to rebel. They're going to be the ones who want to, to uh, um, um, lash out. They're going to be the ones that want to, to destroy this framework um, to reinstate a different framework, <clears throat> whatever that framework may be. And, and Paul is saying, dear Christian, this is, you're a Christian. This is the vocation God has, has given to you. Now, it doesn't have to be one of labor and, hor- and horrible nature, but it is one that is there. And the way that you conduct yourself is going to translate into how you're treated. And there's many, many examples of, of slavery in, in, in Scripture where we could point to it and say, no, this is, the, the Christian lived this way, God blessed them, and this is what happened. Um, Joseph comes to mind immediately. Uh, yeah, the servant girl for Naaman. Servant girl for Naaman. Um, you could even go through and say uh, um, Moses's sister with... Uh, Pharaoh's daughter, you could go through and say uh, Daniel, right? 
taken into slavery, captivity, we call it, mm-hmm. um, when he went to, when they were taken to Babylon, um, and how they lived their life as a Christian, doing their good duty, that's their call, uh, that's the station that God had had allowed happen for them in that li- in their life, but how it had benefits to lead and to share Jesus. And right out the gate, we have to we have to make a disclaimer that this is slavery that's mentioned in First Timothy six isn't the slavery that we are we read in our history books in American history. What's going on here with the mistreatment of slaves? It's, it's in no way in in what Will has just talked about is he advocating that masters mistreat their slaves or whip them or anything. It has completely different. It's just the idea of the function of a slave and. And in biblical times, one-third of the population was in some sort of slavery to somebody else. It wasn't necessarily that this was uh, a group that was mistreated or they looked at slaves as, as uh, uh, a class of citizens that they can, that's lower than everybody else. There was so much slavery back then in the biblical times. And could we really make the case that there is slavery existing today? It's just of a different sort. Maybe it's more of the biblical sort of slavery than what we think of when we think of the South or what we think of in American history. Well, and, I, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I think, I think if you do a study of history that there was a time in, and I don't think it was during this time, I think your, your statistic is, is right, about one-third of the Roman population at this point were slaves. Um, but the, the Roman population really... And if you look at Rome, Rome's stock and trade was slavery. Um, they would go and they'd conquer a land. They'd take the people. They would export the people into the Roman, into the Roman civilization. And I, I guess the way that would be better understood as how they treated them was more as indentured servitude. So they had the opportunity to work themselves into freedom, um, and then be treated as Roman citizens. But it took time. Um, military service was one way where if they if they signed up for military service, they would be able to work their way uh, to freedom after their military service was done. Um, other times was you work so many years um, within a, within a household and then you were you were able to be to be set free. Um, and, and so I think you're right. Some of the ideas of of what we consider slavery in the United States um, because of our history and, and slavery around the world wasn't necessarily the type of slavery that Paul was encountering when he was writing these things. That doesn't mean it didn't exist. It just means that that's probably not what he had in mind. He probably had more in mind the, the slavery to the work, right? Um, You're that, working for somebody who's basically a slave, yeah. Right. You're working for somebody and you have no other choice because he's the one that controls your life um, until you had worked your way out of it. And and he really is referencing the this idea that that this is this is where you are now, and and you have no control over it, and so live your Christian life within it, um, as God had would desire you. Now you could make a you could make a connection with that right today, uh, maybe not as, as much today because of of what's happened with COVID and things of that nature. But but we used to be, and I, I still think some people are slaves to the job right? To, we have to work. If you don't work, you don't get money. Well, that's that's usually how it was. I was thinking more in terms of slaves to the bank. The bank owns your house. The bank owns your farm. So sure. you're working every day. You work on the farm and you think you're independent. You're all by yourself. You're, you're free to do whatever you want every day. But really, you've got that mortgage payment that you've got to pay every month. That's what you're that's what you're working for. All of your your effort and your time and your energy is going in to make sure that that mortgage is paid off. 
Again, it's a slave to the job, though. And yeah. whether whoever's getting the money from the job, it's still the slave to the job. Um, where where if I don't do this, then I I don't get um, my livelihood is in jeopardy. Um, and and we've we have in in many ways in our culture. If you see the cultural shift, um, you have these younger families, sometimes older families, that are going to like uh, tiny homes and things because they're trying to get out of that. Pers- that they understand it is slavery right um i i my my wife likes watching those tiny home shows i don't know why um and i know they're reruns because they don't people don't want tiny homes they really don't no one wants a tiny home i had members in south a member in south dakota that had a tiny home that and it was very appealing just looking at seeing everything has its function everything has its place sure and then you then then you stop you sort of stop and you step back and you say okay i have a family of seven or eight yeah, that's not going to happen. That's just no. I mean, that's a whole other. We should have a podcast on tiny homes. Um, but but the idea though is is I think the idea was get debt free, get mortgage free, because there was a because people I think recognize I'm, what am I working for? I'm working for somebody else. I'm working for this payment. Um, and and I think that like you said, that's that that type of slavery in today's society that we work for the benefit of someone else instead of the benefit of ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it is curious at the same time in first Timothy, you have in chapter one, Paul speaking against uh, kidnappers, those who are slave traders, those who are uh, at one verse 10. So those who are actively engaging in taking somebody else who is free and putting them into slavery. But at the same time, he's saying, if you are already slaves, He's not advocating for you, them to rebel. Uh, he's, he's saying this is a, a place where your relationship with one another and where your faith can shine in these relationships. That's the important part, is your faith shining no matter where you are, not uh, changing your uh, social um, dynamic. Well, and, okay, so just for a moment, can we, can we talk about that? Because um, I think, and there's multiple questions that rise in my head. Um, I, I think we have a society where we think the church, we live in a society where, where maybe it's not just now, but it's becoming where people look at the church and say the church should be the, the, this pinnacle of social change and that, <clears throat> and that it's okay. In fact, it's not just okay, but it's, it's warranted that Christians rebel against certain norms in society or certain stances that society is taking or certain areas of life that that a person's in and that it is the obligation of the church to defend or reject those things. And I I guess I don't see that in anywhere in scripture in general, but I especially don't see that in this section that, that, that Paul is defending social justice reform. So, so maybe I don't know. I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but I, I wrestle with that. Um, you know, the idea of people saying, well, the church should stand up for against this or the church should stand up against that or the church should should um, not support this because they should be supporting, you know, fill in the blank. You, you could take any kind of social. Social change. What's, right. What's our role? I think the what I really appreciate about Paul in First Timothy chapter six is that he is stressing the relationships in whatever the relationship, like what's going to, if there is going to be any kind of change in the society or in culture, that change is going to happen by Christians being Christians, being who God has called them to be, 
to being different than what the world operates by by loving people that the way the world doesn't operate that way the world is always self-centered always everything is about me everything is for my benefit and not for the benefit of somebody else where if you have christians no matter where they are if they are uh, loving one another if they're serving one another in an unselfish love because christ has loved them in an unselfish way this will bring about change but it will be more organic not necessarily intentional well, and I think we should talk about that because I think the only unchanging, well, I know for a fact, the only unchanging thing in, in all of creation is God who created all things. He is the only unchanging thing. Um, he does not change like shifting shadows. So if that's the case, life is change. Every moment of every, of every point of our time is change. And so there are times, and, and I, I guess I look at this in the, in the idea of family, right? Um, when our kids are born, um, they're not free. <laughs> My children aren't, at least. <laughs> they can't just go and do whatever they want. They, 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 they are constrained by my wife and myself, and and then by school, and then by you know what I mean. And then when they get older, when they get older, um, and they 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 leave the house, they're kind of free, right? They they gain certain freedoms. But the, 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 the life dynamic changes again, right? Um, and then when they get um, out of school and, and they're now outside of our house, they maybe get a job, but now they're not necessarily free either. They think, oh, now I'm free. I can do whatever I want, but you can't because you still got to go and work because you got to pay for things. And you still, so I mean, the, this concept of an ever-changing dynamic in our life, I think is really what is being talked about here by Paul in, 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 in the first chapter when he says, okay, those who are taking away someone's freedom forcibly as opposed to somebody who is now caught in this already. He's not saying, okay, um, what you're caught in is bad, although it may be that, that that's a different discussion for a totally different time. What what Paul is is really citing here is he's saying we live in a sinful world, and because we live in a sinful world, our entire lives are always in change. Our entire life is always in flux. Now, is it uncontrolled by God? No, of course it's controlled by God because God controls all things and knows all things. But that doesn't mean that it's not in flux. And so there may be a moment where, where and, and I think we're seeing this in, in Afghanistan right now and we're seeing this in, in the United States right now. There was a time where we enjoyed a lot more and now there's a time you're not, right? And and maybe it's because of the evils of, I know it's because of the evils of mankind. But what God, what, what God is saying through Paul and by the Spirit is even in that, when life changes, you're still called to be a Christian, and and you're called to live a certain way, despite what's changing around you, and and that's vocation, right? Um, that really on its on its crux, vocation is living living the way that that God has enabled you to live in Christ, in any atmosphere in which God has placed you or allowed yourself to be placed. That's a wonderful way of putting it, the, the idea we're always in flux, always in change. But what really matters is not that we change things to in a certain direction, but what really matters is how we conduct ourselves and how we uh, show uh, how we treat our neighbor and how we show love and respect for those around us. Uh, that's the important thing. That should be the thing, the first thing you think of, not how am I going to change society? I got to bring this back to a, a certain way because, to be honest, and I think, 
if you think about it long enough, you'd also agree that if you start thinking about, I got to bring thing, I got to bring change to this situation. I got to, I got to write this wrong that has happened. That becomes a priority that you don't really necessarily care how it's done. You know, I don't care how I treat my neighbor because my neighbor is doing something ter- you know, terrible. Like the, he's allowing the slavery to happen. And so I'm going to use whatever tool at my disposal to, to free that uh, slave in that situation rather than uh, being respectful of, of, of the, of the neighbor and showing love and concern for them. Yeah. And, and, and dear listener, and I, I think this has to be said because, you know, I, um, if you watch the news, you see what's going on in Afghanistan and you see the mistreatment of women that are going on and the mistreatment of families and Christian families and my heart and prayers go out to them. I'm not condoning that in any way, shape or form. That is evil. And, and I'm not saying that we don't call out evil for evil. That's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about in, uh, all things being equal. If all things are being equal, if you are once were free and you could run into the fields and frolic, and now you are forced to, to work in a factory, work in the factory and, 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 and take this as God's opportunity for you to, to live your life. Totally different subject from I once was was able to engage in work and now I'm being molested and raped. That's just evil. And and Paul is not saying, well, put a smile on your face and live within that. That's not what he's talking about because that's wrong. That That is an evil. So I, I, I think we have to make that, that clear distinction. He's not talking about, okay, be happy that you're in an abusive slavery. He's not talking about that. He's saying, no, you once were able to do this, but now your life situation has changed, and now you are asked to do this, and 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 that's okay. It is interesting, isn't it? In chapter six, he doesn't say um, only be respectful toward masters who are good to you or that are Christian masters. He is just saying, look at yourself first and how you're conducting yourself with the ma- with whatever situation you're in, and make sure that's that's your priority. That's your um, that's what you're cognizant of. And I, you know, honestly, it's, you know, we, we, we talked about this. I don't know how long we've talked about this already, but it is really hard because I don't, other than the fact of being enslaved to a bank, I feel like I'm out of my, my wheel, wheelhouse, other than the fact that this is what God's word says. Well, I mean, yes and no, but I, I think both you and I, you and I recognize that, that we are enslaved to other things too. Um, and being in the ministry, you kind of are the servant. We call it something nicer. We're the servant of all, right? We're the servant of the people who call us. Um, but that is a slavery. How many times have we been called um, on the phone and we've, we've put aside our time with our family to go and do? Um, that is a type of slavery in, in which God says, this is, this is where you've been placed. And, and there is an honor and there is a, a responsibility for that to, to live out your Christian vocation in those areas. Um, we live in a climate where, where, where this whole entire concept just takes on a, a, a totally different, it almost takes on a, an, um, um, like a, a, uh, an educational sense. It's, it, it, it's uh, sitting out there in the ether and we can talk about it, but we don't really experience it. Um, I, I once again point you back to any other country in the world, Right. Any other country in the world, especially third world countries, because this is what they're dealing with right now, and we can watch it play out, and 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 we can see evil for evil, and we know the difference between okay, this is evil, and this is just a change, 
we can tell the difference, right? And I think that's one of the things that needs to be said in this entire this isn't this entire conversation is yes, you are only in control of yourself. You can't control someone else. That is very very true. Um, but it's also the reality of we're not condoning evil, and not, neither is Paul. Paul is not condoning evil. He's not condoning evil acts, but he is saying that all things being equal, this is still your call, whether you like it or not. That's a good way to sum up the section. You ready to move on? I am. All right. So now let's talk about false teachers and their greed, which links to slavery. Which, because <laughs> <laughs> it's in the letter, right? He flows right from one to the other. <laughs> Sorry. Go um, on. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul is going to do some mind reading. Uh, he's going to mind read these uh, false teachers in the area. As he's talking to Timothy, he's saying, you're looking at uh, these false teachers out there. Let me tell you what they're thinking. Um, and he says that in verse uh, 4. He said, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. Instead, he has a morbid craving for controversies and battles over words, things that produce envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant frictions among people whose minds are depraved, who have lost hold of the truth, imagining that their godliness is a means of financial gain. Separate yourself from such people. Yeah, he's calling for fellowship, uh, or lack thereof fellowship, um, for, for people who like to to uh, agitate the waters. Um, you know... It's kind of interesting, you know. He he gives his list, right? And how you said he's kind of puts his himself into the into the mind of these people, and and it makes me wonder if, as he's putting himself into the mind of these people, if he's not thinking back to himself when he was before he was converted, and he's like, nope, yep, that was me. <laughs> I was perfectly content to stand by and watch them stone somebody because I didn't, you know, I was perfectly content to watch them uh, ridicule and, and be abusive to Christians. In fact, he'll say that later on in other letters that, that he was the worst, um, because he did those things. So I wonder if he's sort of hearkening back that he's not just necessarily reading the minds of these others, but he's saying, I was once there. I know exactly what they're thinking. Cause I thought it that, that this was to my financial gain. And I thought I was right in doing it. That is an interesting thought. Um, well, of course, we can't answer it because we don't know. But I do, <laughs> I do like the idea of, and we see this as you look at church history. What happen, What do false teachers like to do? They like to change the definition of words over time. They like to uh, battle in the minutia of the of the words. E- words are important. Words mean things. And how false teachers will try to use words to try to lead people away uh, from the truth. But you know, I and 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 just as a, a in, kind of playing the devil's advocate here, just a little bit, I like words, um, and I and I believe that words do mean things, um, and I think the difference between and maybe maybe this is a good conversational point, the difference between somebody who is maybe um, someone who has bad intentions for the church and somebody who is 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 using words to try to do the best for God's people is the ability to not stick to a word. Um, and, and I remember, was it? I can't remember. It was one of the seminary profs, and I can't remember which one at the time, and it doesn't which really matter. Which seminary? Uh, it, Wisconsin <laughs> Seminary. Um, <clears throat> yeah, with me, you have to maybe ask that question. Um, but, but he said that it's not, a, um, when you talk with your people, it's not, the, it's not how many big words that you can use that show your care and love for them. It's how you can take those big words and you can make them simple for your people to understand. 
and not saying that there aren't times when you need big words, right? Um, or big concepts, but there's times where, where really you show the care for your people, not in fighting over the language, but saying, okay, I can work within this framework and I can reframe it so that the same point is being stated, but out of love for you, we're doing this <clears throat> as opposed to getting into the, into the minutia of, like you said, the minutia of it has to be this word and we have to use this thing over and above something else. Um, we have to be willing to change the words to convey the same love and care, um, as long as we're conveying the same love and care, because the scriptures don't change. And and I think that's very important. I, I, very very important that 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 the scriptures don't change. We still we still preach, teach, and confess the scriptures. But the way that I explain those scriptures to you, I mean, you and I both know in in the in the pastoral framework, we could spout off all sorts of really big words. Um, that we could have a ton of discussions on whether we should keep that word or not. Um, but does anybody really care? I mean, really? Does does anybody? When was the last time you used the word like just uh, um, oh, uh, throw out a uh, redemption in in a sermon? You, you throw that word out, and you, how many times you're like, I have to explain this. <laughs> People just don't get it, or or. You know, just sitting with your confirmation class and you say, well, I should probably use the word atonement because that is a really good word for them to understand. It is, but maybe the concept of being at one with God is more of a, a the concept that we need to, to, to share. If I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that language is a good thing. It's like a morally neutral thing. But in, in Paul's words, he's saying that their false teachers are using language to lead you away from Christ, where pastors are going to try to use language and not try to impress you with their vocabulary, but try to uh, use language to convey concepts uh, to our people. What's the best way to do that? But understanding that language can be a a tool that we that false teachers use to lead people away from Christ because they they can phrase things in a certain way. Um, I would go even even I I agree one hundred and ten percent with what you said, but I would go even a step further than that and say that and and this is the danger of every pastor and 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 I agree with it and it's something that I wrestle with and it's something that I think every good pastor should wrestle with. We are trained to use language, and you can do pretty much. Uh, and this is this is this is you know God's word is proof of it. Words produce things. Words words have an effect, and and we are in a position where people listen to our words, and I can use words to to manipulate emotion. I could use words to manipulate thought. I can use words to create um, actions that were no longer that weren't there to create passions that weren't there. Um, that's what words can do. And, and, and I think what he's referring to here is, is people are using false teachers, people who have been called and given a great responsibility are abusing that gift because of the morbidity of their mind, because they, they themselves aren't holding themselves accountable. Coming back to that, uh, that same idea of, of being a slave. That's why I said they're very much linked because, because the, the false teacher is supposed to be a slave to the, to the serving of in the capacity of words and action of his people. That is what the teacher is. That is what the prosbyteros is, the, the, the pastor. We are, we are in many ways slaves of Christ, but in servitude to the people serving them in this capacity. Preach, teach, administer the sacraments, equip the saints for service. That's in your call. That's in my call, right? How do I preach and teach? I use words. 
to do these things. And if in my head I'm going to say, I want more money out of the church, um, I can use words to manipulate that. If I want to say, I want a certain action out of the, you can use words to manipulate that. And he's saying, this is exactly what a false teacher is going to do. They're going to manipulate you to try to create this result. And it does, I like, I agree. I think it's a good way of summing up what we've talked about so far. I wanted to move on to talking about uh, p- uh, false teachers using words for financial gain. And he says your their godliness is a means of financial gain. You notice all of the books that are written by false teachers. And I had the question I had on the sheet that I sent to Will Harley was, your pastor hasn't written a book. Is that a good thing? <laughs> It is. <laughs> I'm looking. I read that. I read that, and I'm like, you know, I thought about writing a book, but then I figured no one would want to read that book, so it would be a waste of time. But, but I think there is, there is good and bad about that, and 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 bringing that down to to I think all seriousness. <clears throat> what do you say when you write a book? What's the purpose of it? What's the mindset? Are you trying to do this to Are you trying to do this to better for the betterment of the church or for the betterment of yourself? Right. Like, if you're saying, "Well, I need to write a book in order to put, to pay for my kid to go to college," or I need to write a book because I want to be important or seen as important, I want to be invited to all the conferences. There's a mindset there that needs to be corrected. So I, I look at I look at um, um, authors, and I I do love some authors, and I have some of I have some of the I have lots of books. Um, but one of the books that that um, that I'm I'm actually started when you wrote, said this, I thought about it to myself, and I was thinking of of Bulgarts, um, Pastor Bulgarts, passed away in the '90s, was um, Swedish Lutheran pastor, <clears throat> and he uh, he wrote a book called Through My Eyes, and it, it you read the book and you're like, wow, that's a really good book. All it was was a list of sermons. And they were sermons taken from the Old Testament where he put himself into the life of a character at that time viewing what the scriptures were talking about. Um, and he, call it a book. I, I look at that and I say, okay, he didn't write that so that people would be like, wow, Bo Gertz is really a good writer. Although he is a really good writer. And in many cases, he was a really good preacher. But he did it for the betterment. I mean, these were sermons that were that were there for the betterment of his people and for the betterment of the hearers. Um, Hammer of God is another one that he wrote. Um, again, this is for the betterment and the and the lifting up of God's people. Um, I, I look at books like the the Purpose Driven Life. What a bunch of blather! I'm I'm sorry. And if you are a dear listener, one of those people that read the Purpose Driven Life. Um, I will point you to any one of the Gospels to wipe your mind clean so that you see Jesus and what he has done for you as opposed to what you can't do for yourself. Um, the purpose of your life is Christ, not you changing you. Um, but but what what is the idea? You know, um, who wrote that? That wasn't Rick Warren. Rick Warren, yes. yeah. How, much, how many millions of dollars did he make off of the sale? Of, I mean, so much so that he came out with uh, more purpose-driven life. Um you know, let's because uh, the first one was such a success. Let's do the second one. Uh, I, I, I struggle with that. I, I just struggle with the whole idea of book writing in general, uh, and I understand that. And you're a good writer, by the way. Thank you. I understand that the church needs people to write. I mean, it does need. I think of of 
Daniel Deutschlander writing a book, Grace Abounds. Like this is this is that was good for the good of the church. That Martin Luther and all the things that he wrote. That's for the good of the church as well. But there is a, a danger, danger, Will Robinson, in our thinking as pastors or as parishioners that what matters is uh, this pastor writing this book. I got to read that. Well, what do we, what should we really be reading? We should be reading more of the Bible. We've got the book. Yes, it's good to have. There's, there, I guess there's a balance is what I'm trying to say, and what I'm seeing is more of a and more of a fascination with. Oh, this guy wrote this book, and I'm, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to read that. I'm going to read this book, and that book, and this, and this other book. We're in, we're, we're neglect, neglecting the book of the Bible, or we're neglecting our what's in front of us as pastors. We should be caring for our people. There's enough work there for us, and for us to uh, steer ourselves away from this fascination with. Well, I'm not important unless I read a book. Well, and and I think it comes back down to. Um and and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it comes back down to to the idea of accomplishment. Um, <clears throat> we've had this discussion. I think we've said it in jest. You know, I love to learn. I love to take classes. I love to to further my study. Um, but as I take classes and I further my study, I don't take things for credit. And and I've had some people there. They said, "Well, why don't you take things for credit? You're taking the class because what's the difference between a pastor with a master's degree in divinity?" and a pastor with a doctorate degree in divinity? The answer, nothing. You're still a pastor. So having another, instead of having reverend, have the reverend doctor, all it is is just a puffing up of my own ego. I don't need someone else to say, hey, you got, you've accomplished that. And I'm not saying if that's what you need in your life, okay, whatever, that's that's between you and God. But I don't need someone else to, to put another set of, of initials in front of my name to, to say I know something, to prove that I know something. I have an opportunity to sit at, 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 at Christ's feet, and, and Christ has placed people in my life that I can sit at their feet because they have really good, faithful intuition in what God's Word has said, and I'm okay with that. And you know what? If they want to share that information, great. Um, but they're sharing that information because the Lord has led them to share that information, not because they're going to be super, super successful. Um, and maybe that's just because the majority of books that I read, the people who write them aren't making millions of dollars off of it. <laughs> yeah, that's another another discussion of who actually benefits when somebody writes a book as well. Right. How little of that actually goes to the author but and how much they have to write and how much they have to produce in order for that to accomplish what they want it to accomplish which is well which is I, I mean what i was talking about yeah. before is why are you doing all these things are you doing these things for the for the benefit of the church really right. or are you doing this for your own benefit which would fall under the uh um using imagining their godliness as a means of financial gain absolutely i mean and 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 so moving on you know he he juxtaposes that right with with the idea of be content um, so there's a contentment in, in, in the Christian life. I am content with what I've been given. I'm content with what God has, has brought to me. Um, and, and then <clears throat> later on, you asked, uh, you asked a question on your sheet. You said, what is your favorite, what's your favorite word or slogan in, in, in first Timothy that, that, that we would come back and, and look at. And my favorite one comes up. So that's why I'm saying it now. And you said, I can't use doctrine of demons again, because we've already talked about that later or earlier on in, in our podcast. That was my favorite. <clears throat> and then it became your favorite. Well, and it's now. because it just flows right off the tongue, <laughs> but no, the, my, my actual favorite in, 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 
Um, one of my favorites. There's a lot of favorites. Anything talking about Christ is a good favorite. Um, but but I love is is verse seven. For we brought nothing into the world, and we certainly cannot take anything out. I love that phrase um, because that puts things into perspective, right? Um, and I, I think it's a very humbling thing for the Lord to say. Um, he's acknowledging he's <laughs> he is acknowledging that because of sin. There's nothing. You have nothing unless God has given it to you. And what has God given to you? He's given to you life. So you brought nothing in because God provided it. You take nothing out because God provides it. Um, so the reality is chill out. Just relax. Just relax. Um, life is not that bad. I was I was actually going to say instead of relax I was going to say what matters is your relationships and how you conduct yourself. I I was just seeing a thread from the beginning of the of this chapter of what matters is how we, how do we conduct ourselves while we're in this world because everything that we have isn't it's it's going to go away. I know I had a member once who uh talked about his stuff and he said it's all going to burn. He said I'm looking at my big screen TV pastor, it's going to burn. I'm looking at my, you know, my uh, favorite car. Well, it was a truck for him. It's gonna burn. It's all gonna burn. It's all gonna burn, Pastor. And I think was he living in California? No, he was not living <laughs> in California. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that idea of just your possessions that you have, your treasured possessions, are not gonna make it to the next life. But you know, the, but even talking in a more metaphysical way. Time itself, the time that you are wasting on worrying about all that is not going to matter in the next life. I mean, that, 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 uh, that is a finite and, and fleeting thing. Now, you had made mention that really the important thing is relationships. And I would be, I, I, again, playing devil's advocate and as a point of contention, I would say that, that, that the ones that follow you are the relationships that are built in Christ. Because the relationships that are not built in Christ, if they're not Christian, they will not follow you. So the relationship that you have with that really good sports buddy and you've never talked about Jesus and, and you're not even sure or maybe you can or maybe you are sure they're not even Christian, that relationship that you value is is going absolutely nowhere after the end of this world. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's playing devil's advocate. That's just clarifying what I said because I would agree with what you just said. I didn't mean relationships in general. I meant our relationships sure. we had in Christ. Sure, but I but I think it brings back down and and the reason I I say it's playing devil's advocate is because people don't want to think about that and think about that that the the most important relationships in our life like we have our children and we have our families and and for those people who say well I don't want to force religion on them you're not forcing religion on them by sharing Jesus get that out of your head that that by sharing Jesus and saying here is the life-giving, life-sustaining, life-eternal gift um, is forcing your child into religion. That's like saying, um, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to serve my children a meal at night because I don't want to force them to eat something. That's stupid. I'm sorry, that's just stupid. You're giving what they need. You're giving the very sustenance of, of what is the most important and can they reject it? Sure. I don't know how many times I've made something for dinner and my kids look at it and I'm like, I'm not going to eat that. Well, then you starve. That's their choice, right? And I'm not saying that we have free choice to accept Christ. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that they can reject it, <laughs> which we have the, the horrible ability to do. 
Um, another discussion for another time. But but the idea that that my for me, the most important relationship that I can have is is a relationship that that says the people that are are near and dear to my heart are with me in heaven because I want to see them there because because I want to share that with them um, because it is the most important thing. Um, and and if I and and I can talk about life and and the aggravation of mosquitoes when we go for a walk on a on a whatever day but that that to have my wife walking next to me here and knowing that even though our relationship might be a little different in heaven she'll be walking there with me is is more important right mhm so okay i'm off my soapbox all right so uh, we were talking a little bit about a confrontation that really wasn't there. So let's talk about a real confrontation. It was there. You just didn't recognize it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, sometimes when, when Will is talking in our podcast, doesn't actually listen to the things I have to say. So uh, It goes both ways. Goes sometimes both ways. you don't listen to anything. You never listen to anything that I say. I don't know where this friendship is going. <laughs> I never listen to anything he says. Is the is the accusation? Ouch! We're I don't know fighting how... the good fight. <laughs> uh, I would disagree with that. It's <laughs> all right. So, all We're right. Just being silly, listener. We are being silly. Um, um, he's a very good friend, so I, I don't want to battle him, and he's really strong. So, um. Are we on the fight to good fight yet? Yeah, we are in the fight to good fight. Uh, okay. This is we're getting to my favorite part of this chapter that I really liked, and that is in verse eleven, when he says, "But you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness." Now, I think most of us could could fall behind, pursue righteousness. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm trying to be a better person than I am, knowing that in God's eyes I'm already righteous uh, through what Jesus has done. Yeah, I can fall behind that. I can fall behind godliness. You know, I'm trying to be more and more like God uh, in in loving my neighbor and serving him, but recognizing in Christ I, I already am godly. Um, he looks at me and, and sees Christ and his righteousness. Pursue faith, uh, just the idea of pursue, having our faith grow through uh, the word of God and the sacraments. Pursue love. I can fall behind that, you know, trying to be more loving towards one another. Pursue perseverance. What? Pursue gentleness. What? Uh, those are things where a person would say, oh, no, 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 I want this fight the good fight of faith here right after that. I don't want to be the pursuing the perseverance. Really? I, you know, This is something I should be pursuing. I think of uh, so oftentimes we are prone to start whining about how tough things are. Man, this is really hard uh, because of finances or this is really hard because I have this emotional uh, thing that I'm dealing with. This emotional load that's been put on my shoulders, and uh, we don't have this—we don't have the mindset to say, "Hey, this is actually helping me be more persevere, help me me in my perseverance. This is actually helping me be more gentle with other people because in in my head, with everything going on and all the emotional things hitting at me, all the arrows uh, coming my way." I would really like to be a little bit more sharp with other people. I would really like people to know just how stressed I am with what's going on. Instead, Paul says, pursue gentleness. Like this is something worthwhile to pursue. 
our our world and our society says gentleness is not something that we pursue. Gentleness is the sign of somebody who's subservient or somebody that we can trample on. But Paul says, pursue this. This is part of what it means to fight the good fight. So when you, so there's there's like three things I'd love to four things I'd love to just bring up on what you were saying there the the, the and I'll start from the very very beginning he's Paul is referencing one who's already found in faith one who's already been brought to faith so if someone is not in faith this stuff goes out the window because they can't do it there, okay. there's no way they're not they're not freed they're not capable they're not strengthened to do it it's just not a possibility for them. The next thing is the idea of pursue, which means that you're never obtaining, right? Um, you may attain a modicum of it. You may attain a portion of it. You may have glimpses of it. You may stumble upon it. But it's the idea of continually striving for um, that this is a, this is, so, so it's never that, oh, I, I obtained love, everybody. Um, I'm done. I can tick that one off my list. Or, um, oh, man, I'm glad I achieved faith. That is did you achieve faith today? I achieve faith today. Um, it's not one of those things. Um, and and <laughs> I, 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 I'm very godly today. Um, I've achieved it. Yes, I'm holy. Um, and, and I like how you, 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 you compared that with, with, no, we already are. We are faithful because Christ is faithful and we're in Christ. And we, are, we already are loving because Christ loves us. And we already are, um, we are godly. Right, because we are Christ-like, because we are found in Christ. When people see us, they see Christ, um, and yet we still, on the flip side, have to pursue that. This is, in my way, I guess, my way of looking at Paul and knowing Paul and how he writes. This is just another way of saying similiotis epicater. At the same time, sinner and saint. So at the same time, you're a, you are a saint in God's eyes, and all of these things are accomplished. But at the opposite side, you're still a sinner that has to strive with fighting against the tendency to not be any of these things. And then the other thing that's just sort of a silly comment, I suppose. You were saying gentleness. Got to be gentle. And the only thing I could think about when you were talking about that is Andre the Giant. <laughs> and I don't know why, other than the fact that I was watching um, um, The Princess Bride <laughs> and Andre the Giant, and he's this huge guy, and, and he's super strong, and he can throw people around, and yet he was just, just this gentle soul, right? The idea that... that um, the, and I think this is what it is. It's not that you don't have a backbone and then that you don't have a spine and that you don't you can't stand up and do things. It's just that your first place to go is is to be the gentle spirit that that kids will flock to you. Um, animals will adore you. <laughs> uh, women will be like, man, I wish my husband was like that. Or, And if you're a lady, uh, other husbands would, would say, I wish my wife was that way, gentle and not, you know, but it's that idea of having the spirit of that. You're not, you're not incapable, but you control it. I think these are words that are very relevant today, especially as Christians are more and more um, fed by the news media to be upset about what's going on in our government when it comes to COVID and vaccines and things, that they hear the fight the good fight of faith and they say, hey, this is something, you know, our religious freedoms are being under attack. This is what, you know, we have to, no holds barred, we got to fight against this. And Paul right before that says, pursue perseverance, pursue gentleness. Who wants to hear that? Nobody wants to hear that. That's why Paul writes it. Uh, which Christian wants to hear that? Uh, Christians don't usually want to read that because hear that because their sinful nature likes the fight, uh, likes the uh, idea of 
um, their rights being violated and instead must stand up for themselves. It's just it's a cloak and dagger. It's a it's a mask, a disguise to discover to disguise the idea of it's all about me. That's what our sinful nature is is always dr- driving us towards, and God in His Word is always driving us away from that towards Christ, who gave everything for us, so that we would in turn look at our neighbor and say, how can I help them? How can I serve them? How can I love them? Yeah, vocation. Um, going back to Wade Johnston's book on um, on vocation. Wasn't that? Oh, Michael no, that's uh, Michael Berg's. You're right, because he Wade Johnson wrote Let the Bird Fly. Um, uh, but Michael Berg wrote his book on vocation, and, and he says that, that in vocation, um, as we do these things, just as you said, as this list of things, as we, we're pursuing these things, it's Christ serving others through us. Um, so Christ is serving your neighbor because you're serving your neighbor, right? And so Christ is Christ is 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 using you as his mask to to do this service for someone else. Uh, what a wonderful way to 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 share that. Um, one of the things that I think that that maybe is is what you're talking about is when we we come to and our sinful nature likes to highlight that one section, fight the good fight, and then use that as an excuse to to go crazy, right? But notice what he says as he surrounds that. He says, fight the good fight, and then he he highlights and it gives further explanation. What does it mean to fight the good fight? It means to take hold of eternal life. So in other words, God has given it to you, grab on for dear life and hold on to that. This is the good fight that we're fighting. He also qualifies it, and he says, to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So he, he, he says the, the good fight isn't, Going out there and saying, I want this, I want that, I want this, I'm going to fight for it. But the good fight is saying, no, I've been given this and I will refuse to give it up. I have been given eternal life. I have been given the words uh, of life, um, uh, the words of uh, this this Sunday for those who are going to be gathering around the word um, and, and maybe in your church, the sacrament. Uh, for the celebration this Sunday, you will hear the gospel reading. If you're following the lectionary, Paul um, Peter's three words, year lectionary. a three-year lectionary. Sorry, but uh, Peter's words, right? Uh, these are the words of to whom shall we go? Uh, these are the words of eternal life. Uh, clinging to those words, that's the good fight because it's a battle. It is a battle uh, to cling to to the word of God. It is a battle to cling to the eternal life and say, "Don't! I, I'm not going to let you take this from me. I'm not going to let you strip me of." The, the wonderful grace that God has given. And, and sometimes the person stripping it is myself. Yeah, right. To be fair, the government can't take your eternal life. Uh, what happens? But I can our, give it up. You can give it up. That's for sure. That's for, And that's why we need to fight. That's why we need to say, uh, my salvation is the most important thing here, not whether my rights are violated or not. Or my salvation is what's important. That's what I hold on to as I deal with uh, my neighbor and say, hey, my neighbor needs my help. My neighbor needs my gentleness. My neighbor uh, needs me to love them. So, so let me ask you this: Is this uh, is this Paul's comment geared towards to fight the good fight? Is this is this the the comment that he's giving towards the Christian to fight really their own sinful impulse? That's what I that's what I see in that, and and not the uh, outward going out um, fighting a, an entity out there, or a government, or society, or culture. It, the good fight of faith is is what's going on inside and your sinful nature, which wants to pull you away from your salvation. I agree. Excellent. So That's, then he kind of sums up the letter, huh? He does kind of sum up the letter. Um, and he brings Jesus into it, which is nice. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> uh, but I'm bummed. But I'm bummed, yeah. <laughs> um, he, he, 
he gives the example of Christ Jesus who gave the the good confession and you Timothy also give the good, good confession that Jesus is the Christ he is the one who is the one that is in charge and he is the one who gives us our salvation uh hold on to him until Jesus comes back again and and you notice i i like how he 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 really builds up the terms of Jesus right um, where he, he really says, okay, we, we are living this way until Jesus comes back again. And then he says, he builds up the, the terms. He says, Lord Jesus Christ, um, who will be made known in the proper time. But then he goes on the blessed. So, I mean, this is, that's, that's the kind of word we would use for God. So he has the blessed only ruler, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I mean, you have really good Christmas material there. King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Who alone, and I, this is, I think, this is pretty cool. The, who alone is immortal, or has immortality? Um, the idea that, 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 okay, you saw him die on the cross. He's not dead. He, he, he lives. Um, wow, Resurrection Sunday, uh, coming into full bloom here. Um, he alone has immortality. Therefore, if I want to have immortality, therefore, if I am meant to live forever, I have to be in him who lives forever. Um, there's this connection in the mind of Paul as he's writing this, uh, who lives in unapproachable light. Um, if he lives in unapproachable light, how do we get there? Well, we have to be closed with Christ, right? Um, and then we can approach. Uh, whom has uh, no one has seen or is able to see, to him be honor and power forever. Amen. Um, a wonderful summation of who Jesus is and and how we are in him, right? Pretty cool. I don't know. Um, looking at it, your and, final words. Yeah, well. my final words are 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 just the final words of Paul. Um, and, and and I think I, I think Paul sums it up beautifully in his letter when he says to Timothy, "Guard these things," and, and he says, um, "They've been entrusted to you. Guard them. Um, turn away from everything that would just." Dis- detract from that 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 are my final thoughts um so dear yeah so dear listeners you're looking at this you see it seems like we just talked about so many random things today uh we're talking about slavery we're talking about false teachers we're talking about writing books we're talking about fighting uh we're talking about uh uh greed what is the what's the connection christ christ for you 